Hello and welcome to the Self-Narrate Podcast. My name is Brandon. And I'm Jaren. The Self-Narrate Podcast is a production of Self-Narrate, a organization that is devoted to helping people to develop and share their personal stories. Hello again. I'm so glad to have more stories to share with you. These were captured at the recent October Self-Narrate Meetup at the Bull. The theme was My First Music Experience, and we partnered with the nonprofit organization program, Music GNV. Today, we have stories from Katie, Stacy, and Majesty. Our next Self-Narrate Meetup is going to be in January of 2023, and we can't wait to hear your stories then. With that being said, here's Katie. All right, so I thought about my first concert, which was when I was a designated driver for my mom, when she and her friend would see Toby Keith. But somewhere between watching my mom down Rosé and black, or red, white, blue fireworks, I think I blacked out and I don't remember very well. So I went to the, the concert that sticks out the most for me, which is actually the concert I found the first piece of music that I hated and could not stand like zero out of ten stars do not recommend it was awful there were no redeeming qualities so when i was finishing up my bachelor's degree in music my boyfriend was getting his master's degree in classical modern saxophone so i was exposed to a lot of things that i only loosely call music and i had to sit and watch but with a degree in music i could at least have there was some sort of academic justification i could understand what was happening and I can appreciate it. And that can be really trying sometimes with modern music. But this night, I was on Lake Alice at the Bowman Center. And if you've been to the Bowman Center, take a second to think about the echoing that's probably happening, because it's gonna come into play a little bit later. It's a huge part of the story. And there were only three pieces on the program that night. And I was visiting, and I didn't have any friends here at that point. I was living in Jacksonville, so I was just sitting there by myself surrounded by my boyfriend's music friends who are all really weird because it's modern music and it's a whole different scene. And we only had three, so I said, that's okay. I can make it through three. I can figure that out in my brain. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna listen to a lot of Sean Mayer and I'm gonna figure out how to move on with my life. And it's gonna be fine. So the first piece was his piece. It was a saxophone duet, tenor and bass saxophone. It wasn't exactly easy listening, but I heard him practice it. I could appreciate the effort that went into it. Not a problem. The second piece is actually pretty funny. It was a, a trombone quartet where they were all pretending to be frogs, like costumes, lily pads, the whole thing. There were some weird mutes and sounded like frogs. I was a little concerned on Lake Alice because we were sending frog sounds out into the universe. Because I figured we were going to end up with a lot of alligators coming up. But it was cute, so we got through that one. No problem. The third piece had no description on the program, which should have been a huge indicator that I was in for trouble. It just said, poem symphonique, and it was in French. So now it's modern and French, and there's only so artistic you can go before you have imploded and gone in the other direction. So once it starts, 10 people, including my boyfriend, 10 performers, I don't feel like I can legitimately call them musicians, get up and they're all in black and they walk to this wall of metronomes which i had assumed was for decoration for like ambiance there were a hundred metronomes like the old kind of you know triangle wooden little arm that ticks back and forth a hundred of them they were not for artistic purposes they were the piece so apparently that is a piece written for 100 mechanical metronomes 
and each person had 10 metronomes that belonged to them. And they would go in and set them to a certain beats per minute. You were not supposed to set them under 100. Okay, very important, it's gonna come back around. So these 10 people, who were all people I kind of casually knew, and my boyfriend, and they go up and they set their metronomes and they all set them off. But you can't set them all at once. 10 metronomes, two hands, the math doesn't work. Like you have to stagger them a little bit. And then all of a sudden, this nice echoey building is filled with the ticking of 100 metronomes, all set at different beats per minute, because there's no indication of how you're supposed to start this. And while my brain for the first five minutes is desperately trying to find a rhythm or a pattern or a reason, and as soon as you latch onto one, it just like drifts away to the sea of sound that is filling up the whole thing. And after about five minutes, I'm starting to panic a little bit because it's, it's really loud and it's really hard to listen to and there's no discernible order at all. And so I'm starting like my hackles are starting to rise and starting to stretch out a little bit. And all of these performers are sitting among these metronomes, like weird little garden gnomes in this musical garden, just staring at us. Like, it's like torture, like they're daring you. Like, I want to see if someone will break and run for the door because there is no end in sight. And after about 10 minutes, people are looking at their watches, they're starting to you know, struggle a little bit in their chairs, they're looking at their programs. After 15 minutes, people are starting to, to really stress out a little bit. Now they're starting to slow down. The intent, I found out later, is for a 25-minute piece. And the people that just gasp, just wait, we're not there yet. So 20, 25 minute piece until they wind down, because apparently they only go for so long, and then eventually they'll stop working. Well, there was this one guy in the back who thought it was really funny to set his metronome to 45 beats per minute, when you're not supposed to set them for under 100. That's significantly less than 100. So after about 20 minutes, when they're starting to wind down, this one is just going. <laughs> and not only now are the garden gnome people staring at us, they're staring at this dude, because they know it's his metronome. And it went on for another 15 minutes after that with a single metronome. And we are all stuck, because you can't leave. And if you've been in a modern music performance, you know, you really can't leave, even if you think it's weird, because then you've offended somebody. And if you have to appreciate the artistry of what's going on. I don't know what the artistry is of that particular piece, but by the end, when that finally stopped, after a full 45 minutes of the whole audience sitting and listening to nothing but ticking, there was a, like a huge inhale of breath. And it was like, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe we can finally leave. And then everyone looked around, and the people got up and bowed, and it was the loudest standing ovation. <laughs> they got up, screamed, clapped, and left. Like, there was no sitting down, there was no, I want to hear anything else. Everyone just, as fast as they could, evacuated the premises. Like, I didn't know anybody, and I was out trying to socialize with people just so I wouldn't have to go back in there near the metronome. And that was the last modern music concert that I ever went to. <laughs> could not do it again. I was, it was too scary. Not knowing what I was getting into, every time he invited me after that, I had something else going on. I was <laughs> I had homework. I had something I had to do. Because it was just, oh, the worst experience of my life. So I felt like that was the piece I could share that would make an entertaining story tonight. So thank you all for listening. <laughs> 
So I'm going to preface this by saying I might have misinterpreted the theme of it. Uh, this is not going to be my first concert experience. It's just going to be my first music experience in general. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, my dad was born in 1941. Uh, he was 50 when I was born, so kind of older as a parent. Uh, he had already had an ex-wife and two grown daughters by the time I was born. And uh, my parents made it clear that I was an accident, uh, that they wanted a boat, but instead they got me. Um, so even though I was kind of a life-altering surprise for them, my dad loved me, and as far back as I can remember, he was always my person. And my earliest music memory takes place in my dad's car. So when he wasn't listening to uh, 620 WDAE sports radio, he was listening to oldies music, which in the 90s, oldies was like 50s and 60s uh, music. <laughs> um, so, you know, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, uh, Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino, That'll Be the Day by Buddy Holly, oh, yeah. uh, Earth Angel by the Penguins, that one I specifically remember because my dad convinced me that he wrote and recorded that song. <laughs> so every time it would come on the radio, he'd be like, listen, that's my song, I wrote that. And I'd get all excited. Um, so later on, you know, later on the oldies became the 60s and 70s, so then we would listen to the Beach Boys and the like. So skip forward a few decades, I'm here in 2022, and my dad is not. Uh, in 2014, he died of bowel cancer, which uh, it's kind of just crazy that I'm realizing that it's been eight years that he's been gone. And for those who are grieving, I mean, we're all grieving something, right? Uh, I think you can agree that the grief does get smaller over time but there are kind of small triggers that just hit you and just flood you with that grief all over again. And for me, it's anything that involves the five senses. So if I smell cigarettes, automatically think of my dad. If I taste a meal that's nostalgic, or if I hear one of these songs that we listen to in the car, it immediately just you know shocks you and kind of floods you back. And it's not that often that you hear Sherry, you know, by the Four Seasons out and about, so it doesn't happen that often, but for a while, hearing those oldies songs were really triggering for me. Um, and it's really crazy because the songs stay the same, right? They're the same thing since the 50s, each decade, but the circumstances in which you listen to them change dramatically. My life has changed dramatically since I've been listening to them with my dad. So it's almost kind of like when you see someone's handwriting who has passed, it's literally a piece of them that they put onto something tangible that exists across time and space even though they're not here anymore. So it's, it's just really crazy that that's a thing. Um, but I've realized that however, because that song stays the same, it's consistent, it allows you to change your framing around it and your thinking about it. Um, so I have a one-year-old now, uh, and she's a music fanatic. And I don't know if this happened organically or if it was something that I kind of did, uh, but when she was a few months old, like most newborns, she would start babbling, kind of saying the same syllables over and over again <laughs> to see how they feel in her mouth and how we reacted to them. 
So when you're sleep deprived and you're constantly hearing ba 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 over and over and over again, you try to do things to make it interesting. So when she would go ba ba ba, I'd go ba ba or and. <laughs> and um, so we would just like keep repeating these things. And now, as a one-year-old, when I put on that song, she immediately starts bobbing her head and dancing. And the same thing with ah ah ah. She would always go ah ah ah. So we'd go. Staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> and now, um, when she makes that noise, she specifically goes, ah, 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 and then we go, staying alive. Um, so she has this little head bob that she does when she likes a song that I can tell that that song is already deep-seated in her psyche somehow. And these are just songs that I had pulled out of my own subconscious that were you know, so deeply drilled into me because of these first memories of me sitting in the car with my dad. So she's obviously still pretty young, she's a year old, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the future she finds herself singing these songs to someone she loves. And she did never get to meet my dad, but I do feel like they're kind of intrinsically linked in this way, which really shows the power that music can have across space and time and generations. talk about music, a couple of my first musical experiences, and then also I'll talk about Gainesville and how nice it is to be back, because I am uh, back visiting from Portland. I accidentally moved there about like over a year and a half ago, so, so it's nice to be back. Um, but so I, I make music with my sister right now. We're like a duo, and we have a band sometimes. <laughs> Uh, and that's really fun. It's faith and majesty. Uh, but growing up, uh, I've always been very into music, always writing songs, very corny and lame songs. When I was younger, I just have all these books filled with like stuff that makes me cringe right now. Um, but uh, I'd say one of my first, I guess, public performances in the past, like when I was growing up, was, I think I was, I had to be in like the third grade or something, and I, I always loved doing music, I used to uh, perform for my family and different things like that, but um, I remember once I did this like little talent show thing, and I was really excited, but as soon as I got on stage, I got stage fright, and also I did horribly, I, I did really bad. And I remember after that night, I was like, wow, I'm never gonna do music again. <laughs> of course I did music again. Um, and then in like 2016, Faith and I, we started making music together and songwriting. And we were like, how about let's go to an open mic? And we were living in South Florida at the time. And we decided to go to this random open mic. And we had this cover ready. Faith played the ukulele, I played the guitar. We're like, this is gonna go so well. And we went, we did it, and we bombed the whole thing. Like it was, it was horrendous. It was a train wreck. And afterwards, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, you did so good!" And I was like, "You guys are liars!" Like, and I was like, "Let's not do this ever again." Like, I, I, I was just over it. Um, but we kept going, and I'm really glad that we did. And I feel like when it comes to music or art or creativity, that is. Um, I think 
one of the only, maybe the only thing in my life that I've like had continuity and stability in because I, I like to start a lot of things. I like starting a lot of projects, but music has been the one thing that has been a constant in my life. Like even when I feel like giving up, um, I never do and I just keep going throughout the imposter syndrome uh, and everything. <laughs> but uh, how it ties in with Gainesville is back in 2019, I remember Faith and I, we wanted to move out of South Florida just because we grew up there our whole lives. And we're like, we should experience something new. Uh, and we did a series of So Far Sound shows, but you don't know what a So Far Sounds is. It's like an intimate, um, secret concert, kind of, where you don't know who's performing or what. And I remember we did Orlando, Tampa, and Gainesville. And like the night in Gainesville was magical. Like we were not expecting it at all. Uh, but the community was so warm. I remember we met Elise and Billy and Brandon that night, and afterwards we went to book a fiesta, and um, it was just amazing. And I remember they were like, oh my gosh, like you guys should move here. And we're like, what? They're like, yeah, if you move here, we'll be here, and all this stuff. <laughs> we're like, okay. And um, so when we went back to West Palm, our lease was ending already, and we're like, okay, let's just moved to Gainesville, and I feel like Gainesville was a really huge like catalyst for us um, personally, in our personal lives, but especially when it came to music, I feel like um, just doors really opened, and I feel like we were able to evolve and grow within ourselves. Um, yeah, lots of tangents with this story. There really <laughs> is no like, <laughs> okay, um, there's no clear point, but Gainesville, in music and the music community that we had here and the one that is still growing, it was just very impactful. Um, and that's why coming back this week has been really surreal. It's been very, it's been good, but it's been weird because we never planned on not living here. It just happens, you know? Um, but Portland's been a good time too. And it's nice to be back in this, in this, artsy musical community and it's nice to be back at the bowl this is such a special place with uh, so many amazing people um that's it that's the story